Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. We are finishing the second part of our March mailbag here, Gavin. Yes, we did blow the mailbag card early, but I think we've got some really good questions to finish up this version of the mailbag. We start off talking about our ideal lineups, both starters and bench next season. Then we look at point guard targets for the Knicks. We, we, we've put together an expansive list who can fill that role finally. And then we answer a big question about RJ Barrett. Uh, did some of the ways that the Knicks limit him actually make him a better player? So all that and more right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. Thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen every day. Whether you're listening on your favorite podcast platform or whether you've made the leap to YouTube with us and want to see our smiling or sometimes frowning faces every day, uh, that's always a, a blast. And we, I, I'm sure we're very expressive and you could take some very embarrassing screen captures of our faces if you wanted to. Uh, <laughs> but at any rate, I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. I am joined, as always, by Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And we are finishing up this week's mailbag, uh, perhaps this month. I don't know, maybe we'll, maybe we'll flex in an extra mailbag this month, because there's not a lot to talk about right now with the way the Knicks have been playing. So this has been like our lifeblood, getting to talk about something different, talk about the things you guys are interested in hearing about. Uh, if, you're ever, if you're ever just thinking of something, too, by the way, feel free to hit us up at Locked on Knicks. And just send us what's on your mind, whether through a DM or through a tweet or whatever. We'd love to hear it, and we love just addressing that stuff on the show. Uh, but this question, Gavin, to lead this one off, this is going to probably take up our first two segments. This is a big question. It comes from James at jspoon021 on Twitter. What is your ideal lineup going into next year? Could include trades or free agency, but what would you like to realistically see, and who is coaching that team? So I'll throw it to you first, Gavin. Sure. Uh, yeah, uh, I went with uh, Johnny Bryant as my head coach. Uh, probably could have done like a little deeper dive. Um, I wouldn't mind, uh, certainly, if Kenny Atkinson came in. I think he would be a fantastic option. But Johnny Bryant seems like the dude who, uh, who I mean, given his track record with guard development, I mean, given his, I think his relationship with Donovan Mitchell would allegedly play a big factor in that. But I, I don't think people should get it wrong. Like he is just, he's just a fantastic developmental coach on his own merits. And that is what the Knicks most need right now. So I chose not to overthink it. And I just went with uh, Johnny Bryant. Um, as far as my lineup, uh, it all starts with Jalen Brunson, right? The Knicks, more than anything else, need to solidify the point guard position. Jalen Brunson, uh, within the realm of this question, the best realistic option, he is the best realistic option for the New York Knicks. Uh, we did a fantastic uh, podcast with Lauren Gunn, who covers the Mavericks earlier this year. You should go check that out if you want to learn a little bit more about Brunson. But suffice it to say, a uh, hyper-efficient player, fantastic around the rim, really good three-point shooter, strong defender, uh, just just a savvy manager of a basketball game. 
and someone who uh, we've talked again and again about player development on this podcast and what types of point guards and what types of free agents are conducive to player development. I think Jalen Brunson would be a fantastic boon to just about everyone on this Knicks roster. So that's where I start with him. Uh, then the rest of my starting lineup is uh, Quentin Grimes, uh, RJ Barrett, and then here, here's your first surprise. No Julius Randle. I'm sending Julius Randle to Dallas in a double sign-in trade for Jalen Brunson. Uh, I can explain why in a second, or I'll just I'll just say I don't I don't really think Randle serves a significant purpose on this team anymore. And even even when he's playing well, I think I, I don't really see a world where he is an ideal complementary piece to R.J. Barrett. So he's been jettisoned for Bobby Portis, who is not nearly as good of a player as Julius Randle but has turned himself into just a fantastic three-point shooter. I think hovering right around 42% um, as of recording time. Um, and I think that is exactly what this Knicks team need is just a whole lot of spacing around RJ. They will be getting that. And then I have Nerlens Noel at center because they had to, uh, they had to give up uh, Mitchell Robinson uh, to make room for Portis and some of the other guys that they add. Uh, then my bench is Johnny Davis out of Wisconsin. Uh, just a highly efficient scorer, uh, very creative around the rim. Uh, a whole lot of hesitations and like fakes in, in, in his drives. Uh, I, I wish I wish I'd watched a lot more of him so I could give you guys a better picture on Johnny Davis. But I, I like the general outline of like a very crafty wing uh, that the Knicks add in the draft. Uh, Cam Reddish playing a much more significant role. Alec Burks is back just to provide some wing depth. Emmanuel Quickly, Obi Toppin, Jericho Sims, Deuce McBride, Rokas Yakubitis coming over from Europe. Derek Rose is here, and of course, uh, to to finish up my roster. Uh, the Knicks find a way, maybe in that doubles. I can't. Is is Frank Nilakina? I'm spoiling it, but is he is he a free agent, Alex? I didn't even look, or is he is he someone they'd have to trade for? I'm fairly certain he was only signed to a one year deal, so I think that he can. All right, he can, yeah, he so can Knicks, get signed as a as a human victory cigar. Uh, the Knicks bring back uh, Frank Nilakina uh, as their 15th man. Who knows? Maybe maybe he now he develops into the best player on the team. But uh, it would not be my dream Knicks roster without Frank. Coming back, it's it's kind of like uh, the episode of The Office where Michael goes to get Ryan back, and he's like working at a bowling alley, and he's just like, "Oh, come on, man! Like, come in, uh, jo- join us." Uh, that's that's what we're doing with Frank. So uh, yeah, that's that's my roster. What's really sad is that his his bowling alley has been playing probably the most significant role he's played in his whole career for Dallas. <laughs> because the Knicks were just that poor to him as a player. It's not a perfect analogy, but yeah. But anyway, we're getting the band (laughs) back together. Yeah. I like that. I love that part of the, uh, of the equation. I will ask you this. I'm kind of curious. Like, do you think, are are you that out on Julius Randle at this point? Did you think, you know, just using him as, I mean, look, I, I like Jalen Brunson a lot. You know, I I think that he's, he's spoiler alert going to end up on my team. In yeah. this too, uh, on my ideal lineup for next year as well. But I mean, are, are you that in on, is it that you're that in on Brunson that you would do that deal? Or is it that you're that out on Randall that you essentially just want to dangle him out there and just be like, I'd rather just give up Randall, even if it's slightly an overpay just at, for like addition by subtraction. Or do you think that they are like roughly equal in value at this point? So I, I do think they're roughly equal in value, but that's, I also could have, I think like, I can't remember if you did this exactly, but I also could have constructed a scenario where they do that same deal for Mitchell Robinson instead. Uh, the reason I included Randall is just because I can't watch any more Knicks basketball, two bigs that can't shoot. And Julius, like as incredible of a shooter as he was last year, six of the seven years of his career now, he's been a crappy three-point shooter. So I just got to assume that that's who he is. And maybe the Knicks trade him somewhere else and he bounces back and he turns into a 36%, 37% guy from three. And this looks dumb and this looks short-sighted, but by and large, he is not, 
been that guy as a shooter. And unless the Knicks like want to go out and, and find that, that mythical stretch five, um, like a, a, maybe it's Mo Bamba, maybe it's, maybe they find a way to trade for miles Turner with Isaiah Jackson emerging um, in, in Indiana. Like there, there, there are certainly options on the table there that could make it work with Randall. Um, but I'm just, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not feeling it at this point. I just, I don't want to ride the Randall roller coaster anymore. I've, I've, I've ridden it plenty of times. I've thrown up enough. I, I think I'm just out on it. So <laughs> that's fair. That's totally yeah. fair. So uh, another question I have looking at yours, how do you feel about your center depth? Uh, considering you have Nerlens Noel starting and his health problems were well-documented this year. And then pretty much the only other true center on the roster is Jericho Sims. Like, would yeah. you consider in this scenario, I'm assuming you as, as your own version of Leon Rose, uh, sure. know that Mitch is basically one foot out the door. Would you consider then on draft night using that pick on a player like Jalen Duran instead and going with, you know, more of a pure center and, and a guy with like that, that higher upside probably than a Sims is going to give you, even if Sims manages to improve enough to overtake Noel at some point during the season. Um, and just to give you more depth in general. Yeah, I think that's probably the more prudent move. I, I just, again, from what I've like heard and, and watched in limited fashion, like really fell in love with Johnny Davis. And I, and I just, I like the, the team I'm constructing is like clearly one that's so anathema to like the current Knicks. Like it's all, it's all passing and creativity and ball movement and loaded with shooting. And yeah, I'm taking, I'm taking a pretty substantial risk there. Like, I think, I think my argument would be that there are just always like run and jump centers that you can kind of like get off the street. Like Damian Jones is I think doing really well for Miami this year. Uh, I mean, Philly just added like a Willie Collie Stein, like not, not that those guys are like, those guys will get shredded against good teams to be clear. Um, but I, I think I'm almost okay on like punting on the center position to some extent. And like, maybe like in a, in a pinch, I think Portis though, he's a pretty horrible rim protector. He can give you some minutes there as a big stretch five. Um, Obi can theoretically play a little small ball five. So I, I think if I was, if I were a GM and I were, I would truly responsible uh, for Nick's basketball, I would probably go your way. I think that's the more prudent direction to take Durin. If I'm constructing Gavin's fun fantasy team, uh, I think I'm I think I'm good with Johnny Davis there. All right. Well, if uh, if people wanted to maybe you know start getting some some presumptive bets in on uh, potential Nick's targets, where do you think they ought to go? This yeah. uh, you know as as this free agency fast approaches, they want to bet the uh, 26 win over under on Gavin's fun <laughs> fantasy team. Uh, they can go to <laughs> Uh, football might be over for this season, but, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage and information that you so desire. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts all right, Alex, I, I, I selfishly, I, I, I ball hogged that whole first segment. I want to throw it to you. Uh, give me give me your ideal rotation slash roster for next season. Yeah, it's totally fine because I wanted to hear more about, about uh, Gavin's uh, fun fantasy team or whatever. <laughs> yeah, um, it's, but it's, so, also, it's also operating as a strip club on weekends. It's like hard. <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, yeah. Jericho Sims is in pretty good shape. He'll be a star attraction, I guess. Yeah, um, that, that's what replaced uh, Clyde's wine and dine. <laughs> Oh no! It's Kevin's <laughs> fun fantasy room. Yeah, it's really um, dark. Clyde is just—he's—he's he's gloomy all year long. Yikes! We've—we've we've yeah. gone to locked on Knicks after dark now. Yeah. Uh, let me pull okay. us back from the darkness. <laughs> yeah, here. sure. Um, so I would go. Uh, 
I, I would also go Johnny Bryan at coach. Um, it just seems to me like the Knicks have probably earmarked him for this position. You know, it's like he was one of three guys that Leon Rose insisted the Tibbs have on his staff no matter what. They gave him the the title of, like, associate head coach or whatever, like his, his official, like, right-hand man, like, secondary coach on the team, despite the fact that we've never really seen anything to indicate that, that he's, like, the vice president of the coaching uh, you know, section here. It's always kind of just Tibbs. Um, but I, I think that that's been their plan all along was maybe to kind of groom Johnny behind Tibbs. And to your point, I mean, he's clearly a great developmental coach and that's what more would you want out of a team that's going to feature the amount of young players that the Knicks are going to have next year, especially ones that you're going to have to make decisions on sooner than later. So uh, definitely Johnny Bryan, I think he's the right guy to give a shot, you know, and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. You just don't lock him into like a, gigantic long-term contract let him kind of earn his keep and as long as he does you know then, then it's a good move uh i'm also with jalen brunson on the team um however i i constructed the sign and trade a little different um i said that ultimately you sign and trade fournier to dallas for him uh maybe fournier plus i don't know like some second round picks or something you know if, if they're willing to do that uh, basically because I think that the Knicks could with how Fournier is like resurrecting his value right now. I think that they could realistically even get a couple second round picks for him from some team. Uh, when we were talking before the show, you even mentioned like San Antonio is going to have like a ton of cap space. He sort of fits their MO as a, as their type of player, you know, a, a good shooter. Uh, they have a great system in place for like Euro players there. Uh, so, you know, I, I think there's a chance that a team like San Antonio, who's not exactly a free agent destination, might say, okay, yeah, we'll give you a couple second round picks for Evan Fournier. So you essentially dangle that in front of Dallas and say, look, you know, right now we don't have cap space, but in five minutes we could if we call up and finish this deal with San Antonio. And then Brunson is ours for, you know, for nothing to you. And instead, we're going to, you know, offer you the deal where you could get Evan Fournier back, who's a good shooter and presumably a good fit with your team. Uh, so do you want to take it or do you want to leave it? And I'm assuming that they would probably take it. So uh, so that's that. So the, the Knicks end up with Jalen Brunson. I also had Quentin Grimes and R.J. Barrett. I still have Julius Randle. It's not to say that I'm the most, you know, huge believer in Julius or whatever, but I have liked what we've been seeing recently out of, out of him, how he's been playing, how he's been sort of embracing in some ways, being R.J.'s number two, even if there's been some hiccups there and I think that if he's willing to keep embracing that role and keep building that way and and you know willing to buy in and play hard for Johnny Bryant then that's definitely a guy that I'm willing to keep on the team for now uh can, although can I, I ask real quick are you sure. are you okay with the defense like what do, what do we make of the defense like because that, that to me is a big part of it like I think when I think of how this next season has gone wrong I just think of Julius like screaming at a ref while another team gets a dunk on the other end of the floor yeah, I mean, I think you'd have to see that sort of buy-in from him again. You know, the, the buy-in was there last year, and it just hasn't been there this year. And I kind of get the feeling that it has something to do with, like with many of the things that Tibbs has just sort of lost this team for one reason or another. So I would just hope that with that infusion of new blood at the coach, you know, that it, there would be that renewed vigor from Julius in that regard. Um, but, you know, again, uh, I was going to say, I'm keeping my options open with him. You know, I'm not going to be married to keeping Julius Randle on the team at this point, you know, and, and if things look advantageous to trade him, I would certainly stay open to that. But I just think right now, if you would go to trade him this offseason, even if he keeps playing as well as he has recently, 
all the way through the offseason. I just think the market's not going to be super great compared to what it could be for him. Now, granted, that could bite me in the butt and he could his stock could sink even lower. But if it comes down to it, you know, you just offload him to some team that's willing to take a flyer for basically nothing. But yeah, um, I, I would re-sign Mitchell Robinson as well. I'm coming back on a four-year, $60 million-ish contract. I feel comfortable with that. I like what I've seen out of him recently. I think it's time to reward Mitch, give him a new deal. Uh, I have Emmanuel Quickly coming back, Obi Toppin coming back, Cam Reddish coming back, Deuce McBride coming back, Rokas Jokobitis I also have coming over, sign him with his draft rights. Uh, Jericho Sims convert to a, a regular minimum contract rather than a uh, two-way contract, so definitely keeping him. Uh, I had the Knicks tape, taking uh, Shaden Sharp out of not quite Kentucky. He has not been able to play with Kentucky this year, and I, I don't think he's going to get to play at all this season in the NCAA, but will be eligible for the draft. Kind of a mystery, man. I get the feeling he's going to be just the Knicks type, though. Committed to Kentucky. He's Canadian. Um, you know, he's he's got tons of great physical tools. He was supposed to be – he reclassified, and I think he was supposed to be one of the top prospects of next year's class but decided to reclassify to this year. And then with the lack of tape on him and everything is kind of, you know, become a mystery man at this point. Uh, but I'd be willing to take that chance. He's a, he's like a, a pretty uh, big shooting guard type. Uh, seems like he's, he's got a ton of potential. I'd be lying if I said I knew the most about him yet, but sort of like what you said with Johnny Davis, I think Johnny Davis is more of a safe option. I go with Shaden Sharp, who's more of the mystery box, but has that like high ceiling, like what we talk about with like say Cam Reddish, where, if it works out, you might be looking at like a potential potential star in the making. Uh, so I figure take that shot. I also bring back Alec Burks for depth. Uh, Derek Rose stays on the team as well. And then I sign Mo Bamba using an exception. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, if you can have a center rotation of uh, Mitch, Jericho Sims, and Mo Bamba, you're always going to have some rim protection out there. Uh, in the case of Bamba, he's got a pretty decent three-point shot. Uh, he's super, super long. You know, I like what he can do on the defensive end. So I say give him a shot. You know, sign him on an exception for, I don't know, 4 or $5 million, whatever they could spend on him using that. I think that would be a, a solid bet to just try a reclamation project. Um, and then I, I said uh, bring back Lucas Samanich on a uh, two-way deal again. And uh, just for the other two-way deal, just bring in someone from the draft that slips through the cracks. I don't you know, Walt Perrin gets paid more than I do to figure out who that guy is, but I trust him to find him. Uh, then as far as incumbents that are no longer on this this new version of the team, uh, Kemba Walker gets moved, attach a couple seconds to him to get him out. Fournier obviously signed and traded for Brunson. Uh, Nerlens, I say just basically trade him for nothing to a team that needs a big. I think some team would do that if you could give up like a top 55 protected second round pick for Nerlens who would – who will be on an expiring contract next year. Some team will do that. Uh, and then Taj just finally sent him off to pasture. Let him, uh, let him live out his retirement free of Tibbs. Uh, he can, he can go off and, yeah. and uh, enjoy the rest of his life somewhere. You're free now, buddy. Go. <laughs> yeah. You're free. You're free. Ty. And then he like tries to come back. It's like, no, it's like yeah. the SpongeBob thing uh, with yeah. mystery. The horse, get out of here. You big dumb animal. Yeah. Just get out. <laughs> and then it turns out Tibbs walks up and then, Gets yeah. disappointed and walks away. Uh, yeah. I can see anyway. Tibbs taking over like a team in, somewhere in like Eastern Europe, and 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 Taj just goes and joins him. Like yeah, he, I mean, yeah. those teams are pretty loaded, you know. Yeah. Um, 
I think I think like the Israeli league has paid pretty well. Like I think Amari was making a pretty good amount of money over there. So maybe Tibbs yeah. goes and coaches there and uh and gets Taj Gibson as his like new superstar. Sure. Um but anyway, yeah, that's my team. So Yeah. 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 I know I, I like it. I like it. Um I guess may, maybe this is like uh a little bit repetitive since we talked about Randall a bit already, but I guess do you like the idea of RJ Randall Mitch being locked in as, I mean, obviously, I mean, to your point, they can always bail out of Randall at any point. They could probably like bail out of Mitch at some point. So it's not, it's not really locked, locked in, but like, is that enticing to you as the Knicks front court for the next few years? Because I think, I think that's like, when I really think about it, like I'm just tired of those possessions where RJ is just driving into, into three dudes. And I, and I went maybe too far in the other direction to push my team away from that. Because obviously to your point, like, you're losing a lot of creation with no Randall. You're losing a lot of rim protection with no Mitch. You're losing all, no, all your offensive rebounding with Nerlens in there instead of Mitch. So there, there, there's a lot of downsides to the way I'm going. But I think I just like I feel this desperate need like, oh, this just like this doesn't work. And, and, and unless Mitchell Robinson expands his game somehow and like he's been in the league for five years and he hasn't really done it. Or, or to your point, like if Julius can like resurrect himself, but I think my counter argument to that was even if Julius plays harder, that doesn't mean his jumper is going to come back. Yeah, I just still think that he draws enough attention yeah. from defenses that it would still be useful. You know, even if the jumpers aren't falling as much, he is still getting respected. You know, maybe not all the time from three anymore. You know, teams are definitely kind of letting him shoot at this point, but he still gets respected in his spots, you know, I think, and and still gets respected as a guy that can break somebody down off the dribble, get into the paint, whatever. And that creates opportunities around the floor, just like RJ creates opportunities around the floor for other guys. So I think at his best, even if the shot only comes back to 33, 34% from three, that's good enough to be fake good at shooting, you know, considering he already has on his resume that he was a 40% shooter once. I mean, guys like Porzingis, for example, get respected, at the three point line, despite being like a 34% shooter. So I think if he could come back to around that number and then, you know, on the defensive end too, like, you know, I, I like what that grouping brings at their best uh, between Mitch and, and Julius and RJ, I, I'd feel pretty comfortable with it. You know, I just think that a lot of it comes down to coaching this year. A lot of it comes down to usage, like, you know, maybe get Julius, in some pick and roll scenarios again, in some pick and pops and whatever, because those worked for him earlier this year before the Knicks just abandoned it. Uh, get Mitch in more pure pick and roll situations, and suddenly he'll become a better offensive player. I just I think there's a lot of a lot of things that we just don't see happen with this present version of the team that uh, that kind of need to happen more. And and if they did, then I think that things could get a lot better for them pretty quick. Yeah. So, so quick analogy. I think, I mean, I think the best case for that working, even if Julius's jumper doesn't totally come back, look at the Miami heat and how they've worked on offense this year. They, they play two quote unquote non-shooting bigs and Jimmy Butler and Bam out of bio, but it works because their backcourt are, are just like elite, elite, elite shooters and Kyle Lowry and Duncan Robinson and, and PJ Tucker who's leading the league in three point percentage. You would have that all of a sudden. I mean, Jalen Brunson is maybe a notch down from Kyle Lowry. Quentin Grimes one day could get to a Duncan Robinson level. Maybe he's a notch below that. RJ Barrett, probably a notch below PJ Tucker, just because Tucker's leading the NBA in three point percentage. But I can see that model working to some extent. If you have three really, really good shooters in the other spots, and again, Julius can nominally hit an open three. 
And even if you just pivot slightly off of Mitch, like to your point, whether it's a Mo Bamba, they just find a way to get Miles Turner. You you somehow add like a decent shooter at the five. Like I, I think interestingly, like the best answer long term might be the middle ground between our two lineups, where you, you give up on a Mitch and you keep a Randall, or you give up on a Randall and you keep a Mitch. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I don't know. I think I think we found something here between our two lineups. Uh, but Alex, uh, regardless of who the Knicks get they're going to have to feed them correctly. And and I don't know if you're, if you're an athlete, like what, what is the best way to improve your game uh, through nutrition? Yeah. They are going to need to force feed some of these guys built bars in the off season to make sure okay. that they're look, in the look, best. Look at the could probably take like 30 a day. Yeah. Yeah. He well, definitely well. needs to put on a little, a little bulk, you know, so not as much as Mitch did this past year, but you know, some bulk, you know, a middle, middle ground of bulk. Mm-hmm. And you know, this is the time that, Maybe even some of the Knicks have been given up on their New Year's resolution. Certainly not R.J. Barrett. And you know what? I've been more like R.J. Barrett this year, you know, with my resolution. I'm sticking with it. It's March, and it's still happening. Because I wanted to eat healthier, and I wanted to add more protein into my diet. And that's why I've been eating Built Bars, and I've been sticking with it since the new year. I've also been loving Built Puffs. I don't know if you've tried them yet, but they're the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate, just like all Built Bars are. But what's good about Built Bars is that they're low calorie and they're high protein. So you can replace your fatty, you know, just high calorie, icky candy bars around your house. I know they taste good, but they're terrible for you. You can replace those with Built Bars and not have to, you know, feel all that guilt about eating that high calorie, high fat, everything else uh, candy bar and instead can just take in 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and four grams of net carbs with built bars, including also 17 whopping grams of protein. You can't do much better than that. Uh, so if you want to get some built bars for yourself, go to built.com and use promo code locked15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code locked15 for 15% off at built.com. And Gavin, we are back to get into our final couple questions here. Uh, the first one says, uh, this comes from Albert Torado uh, at Al Schmergo on Twitter. Uh, who are the realistic targets at point guard for the Knicks this offseason? And of those, who do you think are the best fit or is the best fit? I guess we're picking just one. I think yeah. we could just universally say, right, we, we listed him twice in our ideal lineups for next year. The, the number one fit, and probably realistic option, thanks to his ties to Leon Rose, has to be Jalen Brunson, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's easy money. He's, he's the guy that makes this team that really doesn't make sense make a whole lot more sense. I, I think it's the best way to sum up his value. Yeah, exactly. So I, we could just bounce back and forth with some some other targets. We put together, well, I think, a pretty good list here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's it's so hard to tell because you don't know who's going to become a shoe-in to resign with their teams and all this stuff that comes comes out, you know, couple days before free agency or whatever but uh i had marked down tyus jones uh he's been playing really good as a backup guard i mean he's been a backup guard basically his whole career but he's been playing quite well for uh for the grizzlies this year so far i mean i think that he's he's doing some stuff and you know maybe that's a guy that you want to take a chance on at this point in his career and say hey you know are you ready to run a team maybe he is maybe he isn't maybe he just kind of does a timeshare with derrick rose or something uh but i think he might be worth taking a shot on 
And then well, a guy that we I would describe him as kind of. He's, What's he's that? A, I'd say I would say it's, he's like a poor man's Brunson to me. Like he's yeah, like yeah. a discount version of Brunson. A, assist to turnover ratio king. He, he does he does a lot of stuff well, and really just doesn't take anything off the table. So I think it was, it was a good case for him. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Uh, I, and then another guy I would say Colin Sexton. Uh, we've definitely talked about him before on the show, and probably not super recently. Uh, but he could be a sign trade target if Cleveland decides they don't want to pay him. I mean, they've obviously played really well without him this year. Um, so it depends on if they're looking at it like, oh, we're really excited to get Sexton back to try to make this good team great. Or if they look at it and say, oh, maybe all those things that we thought about him not sharing the ball enough and whatever were correct. And this team actually does run quite a bit better without him out there. And they look to just kind of sign and trade him, maybe even to a team like the Knicks for something like, you know, maybe they value someone like Fournier and just say, hey, you can't have too much shooting. You know, you can't have uh, uh, too much of that that skill set here. So, you know, we'll take Fournier and, I don't know, someone else. And just throw someone else in there. It would probably take, like, Deuce or something like that, um, which I know is, like, sacrilege to some people. But, you know, then you can get a potential 20-point-per-game score at the point guard spot. The, I have serious doubts about running him out there as a pure point guard because I just don't think that he has the, the distributor chops. I think that he's very much a a scoring guard. And I think Sexton at some point in his career will settle into sort of a Lou Williams role. But at this point in his career, there is some tantalizing upside as far as a scorer there. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he's interesting. And uh, remember the, the lineup we talked about earlier today and like our, our dream, uh, like all wing lineup of Grimes, Barrett, Reddish, and uh, you, you, you threw Chet Holgram in there. I, I won't argue that. Um, but I, I think that lineup, like if it lacks for anything, it's a little bit of shot creation and Sexton would bring that to the table. Um, you, you want a little bit more passing there, but Sexton, I don't, he's not, well, he's at, at times in his career, like other teams. I mean, that, that's the whole, that's the whole rub with Sexton, right? Like literally other teams, players would mock other guys in the Cavs and say, you know, he's not going to throw you the ball. Right. So he would, he'd have to calibrate that correctly, but there's all the talent in the world there. Like Zach Lowe often uh, we'll say about him, like, it's the most disrespected 24-point-per-game season on good efficiency, especially for a guy under 25 in NBA history. And I'll, I'll agree with that. Like, that, you don't walk into that. Like, the dude is a bucket. Um, so I think if the Knicks sign him nominally with their point guard, eventually add someone a little bit more point guardy at that spot and convert him into just a super talented six-man, uh, I think I think he's an intriguing talent play, maybe maybe more so than a pure point guard play. Uh, but moving on, uh, we, we, you had Frank Nilakina in here. Uh, we, we, we both, we both love that. Obviously we, we, we don't have to say anything more. Um, Goran Dragic, um, again, if you were going to go the direction of a Colin Sexton, I'd, I'd want to kind of, I mean, I guess Derek Rose could be this guy, but assuming Rose is gone for some reason, like Dragic would be maybe the, the second point guard to sign as like a guy who can sort of just be like the consummate game manager at this point in his career, uh, still extremely crafty, still is a good shot. Um, I, I would love, I, I, I think this team just for a while now, and, and I mean, we, we keep saying it about Rose, they're just so lacking for that veteran presence at, at that spot. So whether it's Rose, whether it's someone like Dragic, like I, I, I need a dude like that on next year's team. Yeah, for sure. I, he's an intriguing option. Also bring back Frank, obviously, uh, two very icky names next that people probably don't want to hear, but truth be told their options. We got asked, you know, realistic targets at point guard. I mean, they, they have been linked to the Knicks one way or another, whether you think it's bogus or not. Uh, Russell Westbrook and John wall, the guys that are, are going to be in, <laughs> linked forever is the two guys on like the nigh untradeable contracts that uh, are going to pay the most 50 million a year. Well past their primes. Um, 
maybe they're guys the Knicks decide to look at for whatever reason. I doubt it personally. Um, I just think that this front office, but I think that they will be expiring contracts as of next year too. I think the Knicks would probably be more likely to give Wall a look than they would be Westbrook. Um, but either way, pretty large albatrossy, uh, even for a single year contracts to give a guy $40 million for a single season, 40 plus million, uh, when you don't really know what you're going to get. But, you know, if you think John Wall's got something left in the tank, if you maybe can see him for a workout or something first and he looks spry, maybe, maybe a chance we're taking not one that I would probably take because I feel like that's a potential front office career ender in a, in a James Dolan owned team. Um, and then just another quick name, uh, Ty Ty Washington didn't actually make it into our, he almost was on my, my ideal roster earlier in the show, but I wound up going with uh, sharp instead just for the mystery box, but Kentucky connection. He's really like the only guy that you would maybe consider a point guard in this upcoming draft. Even if I think he profiles a little more as a combo guard, but you know, definitely a guy that should probably be available around when the Knicks are going to be picking in the draft. And you got that Kentucky connection. He might have something more than what he's shown in college. And what he's shown in college is actually pretty good, too. So uh, definitely a guy worth looking at there. Yeah, uh, no no issues with any of that. I, I would say quickly on John Wall, the only way you'd get him is in, in the Kemba scenario where he gets bought out. Uh, but that didn't go well, obviously, this year. Uh, final few guys, uh, Dennis Schroeder, Ricky Rubio, Patty Mills, who is a player option. If not, he would be sort of intriguing as, as just a pure shooter at that spot. And Markel Fultz, uh, I think I think the only one that's vaguely interesting out of those four is, is Fultz. So Alex, I'll let you I'll let you comment on that because I know I know you added him and wanted to touch on him real quick. Yeah, I'll just say with I'll say with Schroeder too. I mean, I'm not in love with him, uh, but it, you know, I think the Houston would be keen to do a sign and trade, and that's probably why they picked him up. To be completely honest, is because they want to sign and trade him this upcoming offseason and net a couple little assets for him. So they'd probably be pretty you know into that idea if Schroeder wants to come to New York. Uh, and then with Fultz, you know, he just came back from injury. It looks like he's playing pretty well, uh, you know, in his first couple games back. So maybe it's a pipe dream to think that he would even be available. But I just wonder if Orlando looks at their situation and says, well, you know, we've drafted Cole Anthony and and Jalen Suggs these last two drafts. Like, do we really need a Markel Fultz or do we want to try to do something a little different? I guess depending on the the offer the Knicks could throw their way, it might cost something like an Obi Toppin or something like that to make that deal happen. If they think that Obi would be sort of like a missing piece to their their new young lineup, uh, but that's that's a stab I might take depending on how Fultz looks the rest of this year because I think between a bunch of really bad circumstances, he's never really had a chance to take off in his career. Um, so he might be able to do that, you know, if if he looks good the rest of this year and you can get him in a situation like that. Uh, or, or the spotlight might might not be great for him like it wasn't in Philly. So New York is like 10 times the spotlight of Philly. So, you know, maybe that's not the best thing either. Uh, but Gavin, I think we can move to our to our last question here. And this one admittedly was a smidge confusing to us. So we sort of tried to um, uh, parse it. Uh, but this comes from Almost Rational Nick Fan at Whitaker Lochi on Twitter. Is there an argument that the mismanagement of RJ and lack of on-ball reps could be a good thing if we want to now use him as our primary creator going forward? So the way I took this, Gavin, and maybe you've got a different opinion, but I, I basically thought that what Lochi was trying to say here is, was getting all those off-ball skills good for him now as he kind of turns the corner and is being trusted as more of a primary? 
Yeah. And I, I mean, I think, I mean, you, you see it on a night in night out basis. I mean, his ability to hit relocation threes is really good. I've, I've talked about that a lot, like especially the games where Julius has gotten rolling. He, he's found himself to be, I think, pretty good at very, or uh, very intuitive, I should say, at repositioning himself around Randall and finding the spots on the court, similar to what a Reggie Bullock did a year ago, where Randall can feasibly go to the basketball or go, excuse me, Randall can feasibly go with the basketball um, against the grain of the defense. So uh that's an important skill um as a rookie he flashed him back door cutting that is not something we've seen from him a ton this year that's something i'd love for him to re-add to his game i mean especially if the knicks get someone like a jalen brunson i think that becomes a weapon that's much more operational and, and feasible to use uh the way i took this question to some extent was um and then this is sort of a broader interpretation of what i think he was trying to ask um has the knicks sort of crummy developmental environment for rj is there a benefit to that and I would say, yeah, like he, he's sort of been forged in the fires, right? Like, like it's not going to be harder for him than trying to burrow his way through a triple team induced by no one respecting Mitch or Julius. Uh, and when he's on a team with some shooting, when he's on Gavin's fun fantasy team and Bobby Portis is hitting 57% of his threes and, and it's a wide open lane. Like, I think all of a sudden you could see um, a much more efficient RJ Barrett and, and some of the knocks we've had on him throughout his career. Uh, I, I, I think, will naturally get rectified. Like whether the poor finishing was like how much of that was lack of spacing, how much of that was just RJ. It doesn't matter because he's had to work on it in such a tough environment that when it gets easier, I think there's a world where he's at least an average finisher. And if he's an average finisher with the frequency that he gets to the rim, uh, you're talking about an all-star. So I, I think there is a world where, where all of the Knicks, if you want to call them mistakes or you want to just call them just what happened. Um, I, I think there's a world where that's good for RJ. Yeah. I, Honestly, I wish I had more to add, but I think you actually summed it up pretty nicely there. Um, I, I think, I think that basically sums up my thoughts too. I, you know, I as far as the was adding all the off ball skills beneficial, absolutely, because the best players in the league are not, you know, some some of the most, um, I guess overrated players in the league are guys that can't do anything without the ball in their hands. Russell like, Westbrook, exactly. Like like one of the most impressive players in the league. Uh, in Steph Curry, I think, you know, and not to say that RJ's turning into Steph Curry or something, but I think one of the things that makes Curry so impressive is that he is lethal with or without the ball in his hands and has developed those off-ball skills and put in time to get those. And, you know, we've seen that with guys throughout the years like Ray Allen and stuff like that where, you know, they could do something with the ball in their hands, but also they're just as deadly without it. And, you know, finding their spots and you know, getting shots that way. Like, especially I'd say another guy like that, like Reggie Miller back in the day was, was really great at that. Um, you know, moving without the ball, Rip Hamilton was really famous for that. So definitely valuable skills for RJ, you know, that he sort of built those over time. Um, and I think those are going to benef benefit him a ton going forward in his career. And then, you know, yeah, like you said, you know, it's, it's been a pretty tough development environment for him. So for him to come out on the other side, looking as good as he is now, Imagine how good he'll look with a team that's more tailored to cater to his skill sets and a scheme that's more, you know, tailored to cater to his skill sets. So I, I think there's a very good chance that that's, that's a thing too. Uh, but Gavin, unless you have anything to add, I think we could probably wrap up this mailbag edition of Locked on Knicks. Uh, so thank you all for listening. We'll be back. I, I think unless something crazy happens, we're going to forego the, Saturday episode uh, for the Friday game. I think even with Tal Booker and Paul, the Knicks are probably about to get smoked. Uh, so we'll just wait till Monday and do a double recap in all likelihood, unless something crazy happens, like RJ drops 73 points or something. Um, so until next time, probably next week, 
Thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you all soon. Peace out, everybody. Talk to you all soon.